This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Lemsdahl. My guest this week is Steve Treziak. He's a physician scientist, chief of medicine at Cooper University Healthcare and professor and chair of medicine at Cooper Medical School of Rowan University in Camden, New Jersey. Dr. Treziak is a specialist in intensive care medicine and a clinical researcher with more than 120 publications in scientific literature. Dr. Treziak is the co-author of two books, Compassionomics, The Revolution of Scientific Evidence That Caring Makes a Difference, and his newest book, which comes out on the 22nd, is Wonder Drug, Seven Scientifically Proven Ways That Serve Others Is the Best Medicine for Yourself, which we'll talk about today. Dr. Treziak's mission is to raise compassion and service to others globally through science. Steve, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Thanks so much, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm grateful for the invitation. Yeah, you bet. So the one question I ask every guest at the very beginning is, what's one thing people might not know about you? Well, one thing that very few people know, including all of my colleagues here at Cooper, is that when I was in college, I was actually a philosophy major, if you can believe that. Um, I, I somehow made it to med school after that. But I was actually, I was a, I was not the greatest student of philosophy. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't list for all the famous philosophers and tell you what they stood for. But what it did to teach me was to ask the big questions. And so I like to ask big questions. And, and one of with our current project, Wonder Drug, uh, the big question is what's the evidence-based way to live your life? Uh, and so another uh, thing that nobody else knows about me, but now everybody who's listening to your podcast is uh, I like funny dog pictures. Funny dog pictures. That is amazing. So to all my listeners, connect with Steve Treziak on LinkedIn and immediately send him funny dog pictures. It sounds sounds amazing, but also buy his book at the same time. So uh, Steve, this is great. I love the way that this has already started. You know, so we got this book. Uh, so it's called Wonder Drug. And it is sci- seven scientifically proven ways that serving others is the best medicine for yourself. So it, based off of data, which we'll get to in a minute, but it's saying that it's helping people live longer, give more energy, better sleep, less depression and anxiety, more happiness and success. It seems like somebody hit the lottery of the magic pill. Tell me more about that. Well, and, and Nick, there are no known side effects. Um, and so, you know, it goes back to something many of us were taught when we were very young, that it's the right thing to do to serve other people. But what we did, my co-author and colleague, uh, Dr. Anthony Mazzarelli, what we did is we curated all the scientific evidence that serving others isn't just the right thing to do, it's also the smart thing to do. So rather than looking at serving others through a moral ethical lens or an emotional sentimental lens, we look at serving others through the lens of science. And we curated over 250 original science research papers uh, for Wonder Drug. And 
the evidence is when, once you push it all together, uh, because these papers have been published over you know a couple decades, and they probably made a splash or a ripple when they were published, and somebody thought, "Wow, that's really interesting." But it wasn't until we pushed them all together that we saw just a tidal wave of data that uh, serving others not only has benefits for your physical health and for your mental health, but also for your emotional well-being and your fulfillment and even your professional success. It's, it's interesting because, you know, reading through all of those articles had to have taken you a, a ridiculous amount of time, but where is the tip of the iceberg? Where did it all start at the very beginning, you and your, your co-author, where you're saying, okay, there's something to this. Let me read that first article. And let's figure out if there's something to this. So going back five years now, my colleague, Anthony Mazzarelli, so he's the co-president and CEO of our organization, Cooper University Healthcare. And at the time, he was chief medical officer, and he was the youngest chief medical officer on record, youngest we had ever had. And the CEO at that time said to him, um, I'm going to bring in some consultants because we need some help. And uh, he wasn't going to refuse help where help is offered. So he said, fine. And the consultants came in and said, um, you need to uh, do a better job with compassion for patients. And he thought to himself, compassion. I mean, this is, uh, this is, he was wondering how our faculty who always are wanting to practice evidence-based medicine, how are they going to respond to this consultant's recommendation uh, that, that really we should treat people with more compassion. So he turned to me because I'm a research nerd. And he, one day I remember uh, he, he called me into his office and uh, it said, I need you to science this up for me. And I thought, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I, I do. I, I spent the first 15 years of my research career studying resuscitation science in the ICU. So specifically, I had grants to study brain injury after resuscitation from cardiac arrest. And I still practice to this day as, a, uh, as an intensivist, a specialist in intensive care medicine. I said, you're, you're absolutely nuts. I'm not going to do that. That's, that's stupid. And over time, I began to warm to his ask. Uh, for one reason, he was the chief medical officer, and I didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, the second part was because I actually was uh, going through burnout myself. And, you know, burnout is as common in, as the cold in healthcare, and it is, uh, it, it can be a dark place. It is really intense. But I want to be clear you don't have to be a healthcare worker to feel burned out, especially after more than two years of a pandemic. I mean, burnout is everywhere. And I, I often describe my job as I, I meet people and their families on the worst day of their life in the intensive care unit. And after doing that for 20 years, I became aware that I had every symptom of burnout myself. And at that time, when we started this journey through the evidence to find the evidence base for treating others with compassion, we started with a hypothesis that compassion matters for patients and for patient care, the quality of care and the cost of care, but, but also for those who care for patients, our healthcare providers. So we became aware of this evidence base that compassion for others has powerful beneficial effects for yourself. 
I tested this for myself very intentionally when I was in the throes of burnout. And I decided I was going to care more, not less, connect more, not less. And you have to be very intentional about it. And that was when the fog of burnout began to lift for me. Um, it changed everything. And, and we wrote a book about it. It's called Compassionomics. Uh, that's our older book. But um, we then got lots of messages from healthcare workers far and wide who said, you know, I did the same thing and I experienced the same results. And Maz and I got to thinking this, this can't just be true for people who work in healthcare, right? There has to be something, there has to be a common thread, perhaps even a universal. So that's when we started to do the, the research for Wonder Drug, because we tested the hypothesis that the evidence-based way to leave your life is to serve others. And, and, and that serving others has measurable, not just meaningful effects, but measurable effects on your physical health, well-being, burnout, yes, but also depression and anxiety and other aspects of mental health, but also happiness, well-being, and professional success. Once we uh, uncovered all that, uh, then we knew we had to tell this story. And that's how Wonder Drug came to be. It's a great story. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that you actually implement it yourself. It, being, being a leader is, is leaning, leading from the front. You know, when it comes to, to serving, how does serving activate that, the reward center of that brain to get them to, to feel good about that, sure. about so there that are- service? Yeah. Yeah, there are five different mechanisms, really, and I'll just I'll, I'll go quickly through them. So, mm-hmm. one is that serving others actually activates; it triggers a reward center of the brain, which is different from empathy. So, like when you so let me just quickly go through some definitions. So, compassion is typically defined as the emotional response to another's pain or suffering involving an authentic desire to help. So it's different from the sensing, detecting, feeling, understanding component. And that compassion also involves taking action. So it's responsive action. So empathy plus action equals compassion. So what the neuroscience data shows, and this is using brain imaging modality uh, called functional MRI. So it can tell us what part of the brain is being activated at any given point in time. When you bear witness of pain and suffering, it actually hurts. And we know this experientially because it's very uncomfortable to see people suffer, but it activates the pain center of the brain. So there's, there's data behind this statement. I feel your pain. On the contrary, when you are taking, when your mind is focused on taking action to alleviate someone's pain or suffering to some extent, to whatever extent is possible, it activates a distinct neural structure. It's a reward center of the brain associated with positive affect, positive emotion. That's part of the reason why it feels good to help people, which of course we know experientially. But the other part of it feels good to help people is the second mechanism. So the neurotransmitters that are released when we are other focused and focused on serving others. We call it the fantastic four. You're probably familiar with them. So it's oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and and endorphins. And those have powerful beneficial effects uh, physiologically as well. The third is that serving others fine tunes the nervous system. So it favors the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's part of the nervous system that is calming and soothing, as opposed to the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight response. And so it shifts us towards a parasympathetic, more calming um, aspects of our nervous system. Fourth, it actually lowers the production of systemic inflammation 
Now it's not just one and done. Like you can serve other serve others today, and you'll be fine for you know into your 80s. You have to build it into your daily practice, your daily habits, your daily life. Make it part of who you are. But what the research shows is that when you're focused on something greater than yourself, it it um, reduces systemic inflammation in the body chronically and chronic systemic inflammation is associated with all sorts of bad things like cardiovascular disease, cancer, and, uh, and more. And the last part is that serving others buffers our own stress. And so there are research studies that when we, uh, uh, focus on serving other people. It helps us to forget our own worries, at least temporarily, but at the same time, it also buffers the effects of stress and stress-mediated disease on our health and our longevity. So specifically, research has shown that while serving others is associated with longevity, one of the ways it does that is by reducing the effects of stress on shortening your life. Man, there's so much to that. It almost seems like if somebody has a chronic issue and they go into the intensive care unit, if it's a massive heart attack and they come out of it and they're like, you need to exercise better, you need to eat better or exercise more, you need to eat better and you need to, you need to serve others. And they're like, wait, what? what? What does that really mean? But based off of the data that you just mentioned, it's true. And, and serving others doesn't necessarily always mean picking up a shovel and doing some manual labor, it could be finding ways to to give back based off of the knowledge or expertise that you have in, in short little increments. So I guess my question is, is how much is enough to activate these rewards? So the research points to a threshold effect at 100 hours per year. Now in Wonder Drug, we write you an evidence-based prescription for how to up your game in serving others to reap all the benefits. And Importantly, you don't typically take your medicine once a year. You, you take it every day. So if you just do the math on that, it comes out to 16 minutes per day of serving others. And we call it the daily 16. Now, you don't have to do a daily 16. Maybe you want to chunk it and on, on Saturday morning and spend two hours in service to others in some way that's meaningful, helping a relative or maybe serving for a, um, a good cause or some organization. Um, but uh, 16 minutes a day is not our opinion. It's not what we think or believe. It's just what we found in the evidence. Um, and that's, uh, that will give you 100 hours per year. Wow. It doesn't, I mean, when you break down into chunks, it's like somebody saying you need to lose 75 pounds. Well, 75 pounds over that two-year period seems like a lot, but when you break it into chunks, it's not as bad. Uh, and one, one thing, it, you, you mentioned heart attack earlier, and then you mentioned uh, weight loss. One of the things that we want to be clear about with Wonder Drug is that we don't have any magical thinking about serving others. No magical thinking. And, and that really cuts two, two different ways. One is what I alluded to, like the one and done. Like, it, you know, we wouldn't think that, oh, I ate my spinach once, so I'm going to live to be 80, right? So similarly, if you build serving others into your, your habits, your way of life, who you are daily over time, and, and you know, hopefully start early on in life rather than you know, when we're much older, that's, that'll give you the best chance to, to reap the benefits. The other, the other part is that while there is a, an abundance of evidence on the health benefits of serving others, 
you know, if the rest of your life is filled with cigarettes and cheeseburgers, you know, you're probably not going to get the results you're looking for. So like our assumption is that if you put serving others on top of a healthy lifestyle, you might be in good shape, or at least you'll have your best odds of being in good shape, but it's not an either or, right? It's an and. <laughs> I like the, I like the clarification along with the script. Uh, so it's, uh, well said. The one thing you did say, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said empathy plus act, action equals compassion. Is that right? That's right. So when you bring it back, even before you were a doctor, uh, let's let's talk about when you were at university. Were you taught about compassion? No. Why Why are universities not teaching about compassion? So in medical school, in the early 1990s, I was taught. And when I say taught, I don't mean it was in a textbook. I mean, I was taught by senior trainees and attending physicians. It's what we call the hidden curriculum in in medical training. But I was taught don't care too much because too much caring, too much compassion burns you out. Like we were supposed to have this emotional shield. And I believed that. And now all the, the research that we've curated, you know, has been done since the early 90s, right? So really all there was back then was, was opinion uh, or uh, anecdote. But now, after I, I believed it for 25 years until I went to, into burnout myself, and I, when I faced burnout, I went to the literature to find out how do I get out of it because I'm a research nerd and that's what research nerds do. You go to PubMed, which is like the Google for the medical uh, field. And it was telling me things like, um, you know, escapism is a good idea. Like take more vacations, get away from patients as as much as possible. And I wasn't buying it because I thought that something fundamentally had to change at the point of care, not an escape. And that's when I actually went through all the evidence myself and found that there is an association between compassion for others and burnout or serving others in burnout, but it's inverse. It's inverse. Because if what I was taught in med school was true, then it'd be high compassion, high burnout, low compassion, low burnout. But what you see in the evidence is high compassion, low burnout, low compassion, high burnout. Now, why? My hypothesis is that it's because in healthcare, at least, um, if you care for your patients and they know it, they feel it, you get the relationship that flows from that. Even if it's a transient sort of relationship, even if it's episodic care, you get the relationship that flows from that and you get the good part of taking care of patients. You get the fulfilling part of taking care of patients. And if you don't have that, then all you've got is a really stressful job. And so what the research supports is the people who care the least are the most at risk for burnout under the same amount of stress. So how do we flip the script at universities to get them to start teaching and or reversing what they've taught you to actually focus on the compassion, not just on the curriculum? Or incorporate it into the curriculum. Yeah. So at our medical school, for example, Cooper Medical School of Rowan University, we're in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, We have a center for humanism where that's exactly what's being done. My colleagues are incorporating the principles that we've curated that serving others is the best medicine for yourself. And we should lean into those relationships rather than trying to put up some sort of emotional shield. And 
and we're actually teaching our students that now. And, and it's not just our medical school. It's medical schools across the country are now sort of opening their eyes to the fact that there are data. Um, what Dr. Maz and I try to do is just curate it all and put it in one place. And so for the healthcare community, you know, we put it in compassionomics. For everybody else now, we've put it in Wonder Drug. And um, we think the, the evidence is pretty compelling. I love it. So at the end of the day, you're supposed to give help, care, and connect more. Yep. All right. So let me ask you one question. Typically, uh, I ask one question to every single guest. Uh, and the, the question is, is, if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? So the message would be one of not what I think, not what I believe. It's not my opinion or my experience over the last 20 years. It's what we found through the scientific evidence. So it, it would be an evidence-based message. And the message would be this. In the totality of our research and everything that we've curated, all the evidence, there is one striking thing that I think ties it all together. And that thing is this. The key to resilience is relationships. The key to resilience is relationships. Again, not my opinion. That's just what the science shows. So some of our relationships are episodic, right? In, like in customer service. Some of them are longitudinal. So if I have a patient and they're my patient for a decade, well, you know, that's a longitudinal relationship. All of our relationships with family and friends, those are longstanding relationships. It's relationships that are key to resilience and build resistance to burnout. And what is, um, what is clear from some recent evidence from the NIH and from some other sources is that people's self-care practices over time have become more and more isolating. Meaning, you know, put on your headphones and block out the world, put on your meditation app, go deeper inward into yourself, take a nature walk by yourself, more and more isolating. Whereas in decades past, in times of struggle, we found solace in family, we found solace in friends. And the strength of those relationships is built by serving each other and taking good care of each other. That just deepens relationships. So that's the key to resilience. And um, that would be the message that I'd want to share with everybody. It's a great message. It doesn't matter what city that you're in. If you walk downtown by a bunch of people, most of them have their headphones in. They're paying attention to their phone. They're not interacting or having conversations with people. and your suggestion is to stop doing that, start building relationships and start serving others. Well, what research shows from the University of Toronto is that in everyday life, regular people have nine empathy opportunities per day. Now, it's not that they uh, have empathy for each of their opportunities, but that's how many, the, the, it's nine empathy opportunities per day. And so when I became aware of that research, I think to myself, how many opportunities have I, have I already missed today? And, and when you, when I'm very, when I very consciously take my face out of my phone and make eye contact with people, you 
you find more empathy opportunities. They, they present themselves to you and then you have more opportunities to give and to serve others. And so, um, yes, uh, it is, uh, em- empathy opportunities are all around us. And those empathy opportunities can be opportunities to give and to serve, which is an evidence-based way to live your life and result in relationships that'll just promote resilience and, and, um, happiness. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. So to all my listeners who are listening to this right now, being be, pay attention to the, the nine opportunities that you have to empathize with others. And then the second thing I would say is I'm excited about the opportunity to, to dig into Wonder Drug. Uh, seven scientifically proven ways that serving others is the best medicine for yourself. And I highly recommend anybody that's interested in uh, his first book, Compassionomics, the revolutionary scientific evidence that caring makes a difference. I would I would double down on this one because I think there's a ton of insights that need to be followed and uh, not just in the medical space, but uh, across the world. So um, Steve, thanks so much for your op- for the opportunity to to talk today. And um, uh, what's the best way for my listeners to connect with you? So you can check out Wonder Drug at wonderdrugbook.com. That's great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Nick. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.